Hello and welcome to my new episode of Says Says. I want to start off with an apology for there being a couple of weeks between uh, podcasts. Okay, so three things happened. One, the very important Black Lives Matter movement happened and I felt like there were more important voices out there than mine. Two, there was a personal uh, situation in my family that I don't particularly want to talk about, so I'm not going to. Um, and that just meant that with everything going on around him, surrounding that, there was not really time and it did not feel appropriate to be doing vlogs and vlogs. And the third thing was, I did actually try and record this and then for some stupid reason, my phone decided to crap out on me. So I'm going to try and record this through the browser instead. We're giving it a go. We'll see what it sounds like. Uh, so hopefully... <laughs> hopefully it'll be fine anyway i have got 30 minutes to do this and my challenge originally when doing these uh these uh podcasts was to try and keep it to 30 minutes because i wanted them to be short soundbite ones so far i have failed every time so this is my excuse to crack on with it this week's podcast is all about my favourite bands and I am going to talk a little bit about my favourite bands, some of my favourite albums that they've done and if I've seen them live, some of that as well. First up, The Beatles. When I was about 14 years old I discovered one of my dad's Beatles records and I played it to death. Yes, it was a proper turntable and everything, a copy of uh, the 1962 to 1966, sort of affectionately known as the Red Album I think. Uh, basically the greatest hits in that time period. I ended up watching all of the films, not just Yellow Submarine, but I watched um, Hard Day's Night and Help and you name it, I've seen it. And my favourite album by the Beatles is not what you would think. A lot of people would normally go with something like Sgt Pepper or the White Album or something like that. But no, for me, it's Revolver. I feel like it was ahead of its time. There are tracks on there that you listen to them. You could be listening to something from the... 90s or noughties to be honest it was way way ahead of its time and it's just a thoroughly enjoyable listen I feel like it was the absolute peak of the Beatles absolutely I don't think there's a duff track on that album and it is probably my favorite album of theirs of all time uh, please feel free to uh, fight me on that if that's what you want to do but I know that's that's just my opinion uh, everyone's got an opinion on the Beatles. You either love them or hate them, or you, if you love them, everybody's got like a different track or a different album. So I'm not going to pick a particular track that I love. I've got to say I've always had a bit of a soft spot for the track Norwegian Wood, especially as it is also the, it's given the name to one of my favourite Murakami novels, nor, same name, Norwegian Wood. And if you read that, you'll see how the song kind of fits into all of that it makes perfect sense when you read it I don't want to spoil that for you I want you to go away and read it it's one of the greatest novels of all time Fallout Boy were very influential to me in my sort of late teens um I liked to think of myself as a bit of an emo back in the day the reality was I just really liked Fallout Boy and the album that I first heard was from Under the Cork Tree so I think that's always going to be the one that I have the biggest soft spot for I love From Under the Cork Tree. It's a brilliant album. It's the one that's got Sugar We're Going Down, Dance Dance, uh, a Little Sixteen Candles, all of those wonderful tracks. And there were such brilliant videos that came from there as well. Such cinematic, brilliant pieces that you're never going to forget them. If, if I've said 
So if I say to you, sugar, we're going down, you can picture that video. You know the video I'm talking about with the deers, the deer antlers and stuff. If I say dance, dance, you know it's the high school dance. If I say little less 16 candles, you know it's the vampire thing. So you, you can picture it. The moment I say those things, you can picture the music videos that go along with the songs themselves. And a wonderful little fact here, Brendan Urie provided some of the backing vocals for that album. Brendan Urie being, and this is a nice little segue here, the lead singer of Panic! at the Disco. Now, back in the day, of course, they were a four-piece, and the first album they released was A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. It's got some wonderful tracks like I Write Sins Not Tragedies, uh, There's a Reason These Tables are Numbered Honey, London Beckons Songs About Money, and, of course, the ones that are actually uh, more famous, like Lying is the Most Fun a Girl Can Have Without Taking Her Clothes Off, but it's better if you do. Just a line from Closer. There you go. See, I know all the references. Um, absolutely fantastic album. There's some, oh, and I can never pronounce this correctly, and you're all going to laugh me, Chuck Panuick. Um, yeah, you know, I was going to mess that one up. Uh, references in there. Um, but, you know, it's, if you know your your stuff, you can get even more out of it. But it's just a really good, fun album. It was really interesting the way it mixed the kind of vaudeville with the kind of uh, electronic uh, type sounds. It was an interesting concept as an album. They had all these amazing visuals and things that went along with it with the tours and stuff like that. Now, um, I did actually see Panic! at the Disco uh, shortly after the, re the release of their third album when they'd split down to being two members. Uh, and they played at Southampton Guildhall. And I remember this story that Brendan Urie told about um, constantly having to perform Our It's Sins Not Tragedies and hearing it as his mother's ringtone. And there was a time when he kind of hated that song and he was worried that was all he was going to be known for. Well, I think that with albums such as Pray for the Wicked, he's got nothing to worry about. Uh, things like High Hopes, everybody knows that song by now, right? It's just been everywhere over the last couple of years. So... I think him as a songwriter and a performer, he's managed to reinvent himself so many times. He's done things that he's wanted to do, like taking some time to be a Broadway star, all these sorts of things. His voice is absolutely phenomenal. And I feel like I've kind of grown up with him because he's my age, basically. He's only a few months younger than me. So it's been an interesting thing to sort of grow up with him and watch his development and see where he's changed. And I'm happy to say I'm still a fan after all these years clearly the direction he's gone in is something that's appealed to me as I've grown up kind of along with Panic at the Disco there was a tour that they did for their first album where they had as one of their supporting acts the Dresden Dolls and this is how I discovered the Dresden Dolls and in particular the amazing talented wonderful Amanda Palmer I I love her I think she's so inspirational on so many levels and you should really check out a lot of her solo work the first album that I actually got by the Dresden Dolls was their second album, which is Yes, Virginia. And there was a song on there, Delilah, that, again, I really don't want to go into too many details on this one, but Delilah kind of saved my life. And if you listen to it, you'll understand why. It's a six-minute-something seconds-long song, but it is definitely worth a listen. And if you listen to it, you might have a bit of an understanding of what was going on in my life at the time and to why this was a bit of a wake-up call for me. 
It was an album, Yes, Virginia, that I was listening to an awful lot, particularly in my first couple of years of university. There's a fantastic song on there as well called Backstabber. And if you look up the video, find the second video, not the first one that they did, the second video. They actually feature Panic at the Disco in that video. It's a kind of competition between uh, the Dresden Dolls and Panic at the Disco, and it ends up with this sort of all-out deadly warfare. It's a fantastically done video. It was done very indie style, very cheaply, and it is so effective. It works so well. It's so much fun. You should definitely check that video out. It's still available on YouTube, and it's definitely, definitely worth a watch. Moving on, uh, let's stick with the kind of emo theme. The Academy is. I loved that band, and I felt like they were kind of a bit underrated during the whole emo explosion of the sort of mid to late noughties. They are... A wonderful wonderful band and their second album Santi was something that I played non-stop throughout the year of I think 2007-2008 sort of across that time frame absolutely brilliant Unexpected Places still makes every playlist that I have ever created because I love that song so much and there's a song on that album uh, We've Got a Big Mess on Our Hands which actually ties into a Fallout Boy uh, video. Uh, it's If you watch the video for Thanks for the Memories by Fallout Boy, there's a bit where, if you know the video, you'll know that uh, Fallout Boy are, are kind of shooting a, a video and all of the production crew are being played by chimpanzees. And there's this point where Pete Wentz sits down in his chair and he's, make, he's on the phone and it's William Beckett has called him and it's William Beckett was the lead singer of the Academy Is. And all these chimps are grooming his hair. Now, you don't hear what Pete Wentz is saying on the phone. But then you look at the other side of it. If you watch the video for We've Got a Big Mess in Our Hands, the premise of that is there's an evil clone of William Beckett going around basically destroying his life. And he phones up Pete Wentz, the good version phones up Pete Wentz and goes, help, I really don't know what to do. And you get to hear the conversation that's taking place between them. And you have to watch both videos to understand, to get both sides of the conversation and to understand what that's all about. And so when you see Pete Wentz in the Fallout Boy video, but you can't hear what he's saying, that is the same footage, but the audio is different. And you can actually hear what he's saying in the Academy Is video. So definitely, definitely look that one up. That's a fantastic little nugget for any Fallout Boy fans there. And I'm hoping that means that if you haven't already discovered them, you'll discover the Academy Is. Now they've they kind of split up, went on hiatus, whatever you want to call it, a number of years ago. But every now and again, they resurface with like a little special one-off thing. And it's always worth looking out for those little gems because they were so talented. And like I said, I feel like they were really underrated in the scene because they were so, so good. Such a good voice, such catchy songs. Definitely, you should be checking out their work because I feel like we're overdue for a resurgence on the Academy is. My Chemical Romance should be a pretty obvious one. For me, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge is my favourite one. I do love their first album that was released on an indie label, though. Um, Bullets is a fantastic album. Um, I was pretty keen on The Black Parade. I felt like it was an interesting concept. I loved a lot of the work. It was very um, in the style of musicals, for example. But it wasn't. it was a little bit too clean, whereas Three Cheers kind of straddled that and I will always love Helena, I'm not okay, I promise, Ghost of You, fantastic songs, uh, the whole album absolutely brilliant and you've got some really damn dirty tracks like it's not a fashion statement, 
just a classic album, an instant classic, uh, is how we would describe it in wrestling speak. Instant classic. Um, they are again an al- uh, a band that I have seen live. I saw them at Download in two thousand seven. I have seen uh, Gerard Way in his solo career capacity at Southampton Guildhall. I've got to say I wasn't the biggest fan of his solo stuff. And the less said about My Chemical Romance's fourth album, this is the unpopular opinion bit. I was a fan of My Chemical Romance for a very, very long time, right? Pretty much from the beginning of their career. And to me, Danger Days was not great. I was not a huge fan. There's a few tracks on there. Scarecrow was all right. I didn't mind that one too much. Sing was a pretty good song as well. And of course, it all tied in with the charity version for the victims of the tsunami in Japan. But... I wasn't a massive fan of that album, if I'm going to be totally honest with you. Um, It's not that I've got anything against it per se. I just wasn't a huge fan. So, yeah, that I just don't really talk about that all that much. But Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge was absolutely brilliant. And seeing them download in 2007, I have a slightly different memory of that performance to a lot of other people. I was right at the front, right in the front row. Um, right up there because I was such a huge fan and I was just overjoyed to be there to watch them. And a lot of records at the time say that they their performance wasn't great and they got bottles of piss thrown at them. Now, I was stood right at the front, which means I would have been kind of in the firing line as well. And I don't remember that happening. Now, it might be that my brain has blocked that part out. I don't know. But for whatever reason... I don't remember the bottles being thrown at My Chemical Romance. I would have been hit by some of it, I'm sure, because of where I was standing. And I thought their performance was really good, but that's speaking as a fan. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand where this bit of history has come from, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this did happen and I just didn't pick up on it. It's a fantastic weekend, though. Uh, I managed to see... um, Oh, goodness me. So Iron Maiden were closing on the Sunday night. Uh, Lincoln Park were playing, headlining the Saturday night, and it was one of the most incredible moments of my life. Just as the opening chords of Numb hit, I was sat on a hill watching it all, and the sun set below the main stage, the way the layout of the place was that year, and the lights kind of went up, and it was that first chord, and it was like... Ding, 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 ding. And everyone just kind of exploded. It was just the most incredible feeling. I'd, I've never been able to recreate that feeling. And I'm so glad that I got to see Lincoln Park that year because I love them. I love Lincoln Park. They're a fantastic, fantastic band. So moving again, segueing on. Lincoln Park, I mean, Hybrid Theory, Meteora, you name it, I love it. And the absolute devastation when Chester Bennington died a couple of years ago I just I felt like my heart had just been ripped out of my chest it was you hear about celebrity deaths and some hit you harder than others and this one flipping crushed me I'm not gonna lie I'm sat here right now I'm the excellent photographer Paul Harris has been doing a giveaway where you only pay for the postage for a full-size prints of his work and there's this really wonderful one of Chester Bennington that I've got hanging up in my office that I can look up at it's right next to my desk. I'm looking at it right now and it's black and white and Chester's kind of facing away from the camera, but he's kind of almost looking over his shoulder and looking down and it's just this 
the way his back is slightly hunched, he's slightly slouched, it's the sort of vulnerability of him that he had. He was so open in his body language, telling you exactly how he felt, and it's all in black and white, so it's got this kind of moodiness to it, and it's actually quite an interesting picture to look at, and Lincoln Park, I will always love them. Their, their work never never grows old. So again, another band I'm glad to have seen and I'm still a fan of even to this day and I will never lose that. And I will always remember Chester and thank him for that incredible voice where you could feel, you could hear the pain in his voice. Um, yeah, I actually wasn't sure if I was going to mention Lincoln Park because it's quite a personal thing and it always kind of upsets me a bit but actually I think it was important to mention Lincoln Park in the end um, so moving on um, Fuzzy I'm a massive wrestling fan and I've known about Chris Jericho like my entire life he's been wrestling for most of my life so obviously when he formed a band I was going to go and see Fuzzy and they played at the 1865 in Southampton a number of years ago it was incredible. I mean, this is a very tiny venue. We actually do have wrestling shows put on by Revolution Pro Wrestling there about every six to eight weeks. Um, but this was when it was still a pretty new venue in Southampton and it holds a couple of hundred people, maybe at most 300 a push. Um, I'm not really sure of the capacity, but it is, we're talking a few hundreds rather than like a thousand, for example. Um, and he came out, and at one point I was watching him sort of... He, well, he came out in the LED jacket, Chris Jericho, and then he was strutting about down by the front of the stage. Like, he jumped off the stage and was strutting about in front of the crowd. And I was like, is he not being carried on somebody's shoulders? And I was like, nope, no, Chris Jericho really is that tall. Now, Chris Jericho was always considered one of the smaller wrestlers, and yet here he is strutting about, and he looks massive. And I was like, right, okay. <laughs> This is, he's, he's, he's actually a bigger boy than I thought. And I was like, wait, if he's one of the smaller wrestlers, how big are the big boys? This is terrifying. So, uh, but it's so much fun. And this all predates um, like the latest work that Fozzie have done. Now, if you have kept up with Chris Jericho's wrestling career, you'll know that he's currently signed to AEW and he is the leader of the inner circle absolutely fantastic on the mic they've been getting him to do commentary and all sorts of things as well he's an absolute star i love chris jericho i i get everything he does and he comes out to the ring to one of his own songs one of his his band's songs uh, judas and everybody sings along now of course since lockdown and the virus they've not had proper crowds or anything but i've got to hand it to sammy guevara for always taking the mic and doing his own rendition of Judas. It's so much fun. It's so good to get that kind of audience participation. It's been, it's been brilliant. It really has. The whole thing is, is fantastic. And Jericho was supposed to be taking a break from AEW to go and tour with Fozzie, but obviously that got put on hold. So he stayed with AEW and it's been wonderful. Absolutely fantastic. And I will never forget that performance at the 1865 it was a proper rock and roll show and it was, that's all it needed to be. It was just that good fun. I've got a couple more bands to talk about and then I'm going to have to go anyway because I will run out of time. Uh, one of my first loves was Green Day. I absolutely adored 
this one particular track that I'm sure everybody's aware of. It's called Basket Case. It's off the, their first major label album, Dookie. And I had this uh, Smash Hits tape. If anyone in the UK will remember Smash Hits, well, they used to release these cassette tapes every now and again. And for some reason, it was like third to last song on the second side or whatever. And I kept rewinding it and playing this track over and over again because I absolutely loved it. And I just kind of got into it. My auntie Emma had already given me a copy of Nirvana's Nevermind album uh, on cassette tape that she'd recorded for me. And I was already into that sort of grungy scene. And I was kind of aware, even though I was very young, that Kurt Cobain had died. And there seemed to be this kind of power vacuum in the music industry. And Green Day just stepped into it at the right time. The, the stars aligned for Green Day. Um, I saw them at Wembley Stadium after the release of their 2009 album, 21st Century Breakdown. Absolutely fantastic atmosphere. So much, again, so much fun. Belting out classics, um, like Basket Case, um, and of course, one of the greatest tracks, uh, Good Riddance Time of Your Life, which is off of my favourite album, Nimrod. I love Nimrod, there's something about it, it's just so much fun. And very finally, um, I'm going to talk about 1OK Rock, they're a band from Japan. If you check out, they've been putting some stuff on YouTube. Uh, some of the performances from Japan, they can fill out stadiums for like twenty or 30,000 people night after night after night in Japan. It's obscene, absolutely obscene the amount of fans that they have. But I have seen them play a couple of times in London. Um, once, at, My favourite one was at Shepherd's Bush um, and the other one was at the Forum because it was supposed to be Shepherd's Bush, but Shepherd's Bush started to collapse. That was a weird time. Um, my favourite album by them is 35, only because it's the album that I kind of discovered them on. And they have also provided tracks for the end credits for the three Rurani Kenshin films uh, that have been produced in Japan. Uh, Taka is friends with the uh, lead performer in that, the person who plays Rurani Kenshin, Takeru, Takeru Sato. And um, there's going to be a couple more films which have been delayed because of the coronavirus but when they get released hopefully next year or if not 2022 one ok rock have provided songs for the end credits for those two as well and it's going to wrap up the series there'll be five films in total by that point but one ok rock are absolutely fantastic i love them they they've all started off as kind of pop stars and dancers but they've created this amazing rock band and the effort that they put in is just second to none it's a mixture of really sort of radio friendly rock and at the same time they've experimented with some heavier stuff in the past and more and more as time has gone on they've gone down the route of using English in their songs rather than Japanese but it's great to see the evolution of this band becoming really like global superstars which is what they always wanted to do. I would recommend albums such as Ambition because it really shows their ambition to break into this this whole world of like American rock scene and stuff. Um, just yeah, I I I have never found a track that I've hated. And in fact, one of their earlier tracks, wherever you are, was uh, the first dance at my wedding that me and my husband had at our wedding. So I would totally. 100% recommend anything by One OK Rock. They are incredible. Incredible band. I'm going to leave it there for two reasons. One, my 
counter is running dangerously close to, close to 30 minutes, although I have kept this in at under 25. And also my husband has returned from the shops and I need to go and praise him for the bounty that he has brought back to our abode. So thank you for listening to my random ramblings. Hopefully you've enjoyed my podcast on my favourite bands and I'm going to try and do these more regularly again because, you know, I'm I'm sorry that it turned out the way it has, but I mean, I was more I did feel Black Lives Matter was more important um that same weekend I was doing gish so everything was running late anyway personal circumstances were not great over the last couple of weeks and my app crapped out on me so anyway thank you very much and I will see you next time bye bye